forces. What is good? Our uh, fine feathered family. It's another episode of Bird Protocol. I am one of your hosts, Palm Reader. I'm here with Otis Morris. Otis, how are you doing today? Um, better. Uh, I mean, today I, uh, I I fought through Ragnarok, um, destroyed Odin. He's a bitch. And uh, yeah, I've just been traveling the nine realms. Um, yeah, I beat God of War today prior to doing this, so. Oh yeah. yeah, and was it everything crazy. that you uh, you hoped? Oh yeah, yeah. Once I fully like locked into that game, it was fucking tight. Like I know, like I had some gripes of like the combat and whatnot earlier on, but no. Once once you just get into it and just like, you know, you just figure a way out. You f- and especially later on in the game when you have all the weapons and all the upgrade shit, like you can just put some nasty combos together. You're just absolutely destroying fools across all of the nine realms. So very sick. I have so much side shit left to do, and I'm definitely I'm gonna try and platinum trophy this game. It's one of the few games where I'm like, I can do it. I can actually do it to this one. So I'm gonna do that. Um. Uh, yeah. ra- give a, ge- a general rating out of 10 what would you say eight nine? Oh no boy boy this is it's uh i'm gonna go nine and a half just wow. because it's all right it's like a nine for me i want to say like i love the god of war series i i cannot understate that this is one of my favorite game franchises ever so uh i don't want to necessarily say necessarily say it's perfect there are uh, but it's as close as I've played to a close, like a perfect game, like recently that I can like remember. Like other than like, uh, like because like this for example, like Horizon. Horizon's a fucking lovely game. Uh, for- Forbidden West. It's a fucking fantastic game. But you know, there's like some like visual things that are just kind of like annoying and some stuff. So like that one, I would give like an eight, eight and a half maybe. But this one, there's like it's visually like flawless. It's like there's no glitches in the game whatsoever. And then it also just has like a distinctive style. All of the monsters, it's not like repetitive. Like with some games, like you're as you progress, eventually it's just like, oh, I've faced these guys before. And you just kind of end up facing like kind of the same <clears throat> enemies over <throat> and over again. <clears throat> Hogwarts. But- <clears throat> Mm, no sorry. Okay, yeah. <laughs> sorry yeah okay yeah. i was like what's going on here well no, what's you, this man doing to me <laughs> no 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 it's uh i was i was trying to subtly uh throw a dig at hogwarts legacy again a very good game but suffers mm-hmm. from that exact thing it's like yeah okay you know there's only a certain number of enemies and a certain number mm-hmm. of subtypes of each enemy and then it's just like pretty much that over and over again which yeah kind of detracts from it a little bit but not enough to make it a bad game it's it's still an excellent right. game it's again like right. a seven eight right so anyway, yeah continue yeah. well god of war unlike that you know it you you do face a lot of the same enemies and most of them they're like they're, they're like small fodder enemies but like the big like big boss enemies or like stronger things it's not rep- rep- like so repetitive because even though some enemies you do see again 
if you're later in the game, even now, like I'm in the end game, like just clearing up some stuff, I'm still encountering like enemies, but they're like evolved. They're constantly evolving their enemies to make them fucking harder. And you're like, oh crap, like you can't just always constantly go in and just expect the smash, even at like the end of game. So very, very tight, very incredibly tight. So I'm glad that I got to like spend the last week in recovery, just uh, just being an absolute god. <laughs> Very sick. So uh, that made me think of, do you remember Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor? Did you play yeah, those yeah. games? Yeah. Remember the, the, that uh, enemy yeah. sim- system that they had? They had a rival system where it's like you would fight the same guy a couple times and every time mm-hmm. he would like evolve to your play type and like would remember. Yeah. Uh, and then, and it was so innovative and like game changing. And then whoever made that game, Activision or whoever just put a patent on it and said that they owned it. So nobody else could mm. use it. And then they never made another Shadow of game. <laughs> uh, they made a second one. I'm yeah, Shadow sure. of well, War. Because there's two of, of them. Order. Yeah. Okay. But then yeah. they never. But they haven't done anything since. No, they haven't done anything since. Um, mm. The video game developer industry. Wow. Okay. Anyway, we're not talking about. I mean, we might be talking about the development of certain sounds, certain artists. Is is one of yeah. the nine realms per chance located on the west coast of the of the America uh, of of the United States of America? Um, yes, I believe that's called Wheedleheim. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are talking today not about God of War, not about video games. We are talking about a prominent, uh, influential um, producer, creator, uh, rapper. A businessman, um, executive producer, artist development. Uh, well, how would you A and R? I don't know. But anyway, label head. Uh, we are talking mm-hmm. about the West Coast's own, the infamous, the uh, ever influential, Dr. Dre. Hell yeah. yeah, the fucking titan of the West Coast, the titan of rap, of hip hop. Of gangster rap, man, Doctor Dre, G Funk, so many. Th- this, this this is by far probably the most influential musician that we have talked about mm-hmm. yet, and like in more ways than probably many of the people who are listening, mm-hmm. uh, casual fans would would know or understand, um, mm-hmm. because like there's the whole side of beats and how beats pretty much made apple music like (laughs) um and all of the artists that have been touched by him from uh 50 cent to the game to eminem to um you know snoop Snoop dog Dog, to kendrick kendrick lamar to anderson pock to uh you know like just the the sheer breadth and width of his influence and his taste making and his production uh is like almost mind-boggling so with that being said uh we are not going to be covering um some of the stuff that he's done in depth as we may come back to it later specifically i don't feel like we need to talk a whole lot about nwa um uh, no like i mean 
if you wanna if you wanna learn about NWA, watch Straight Outta Compton. It's a fantastic movie. But if we're gonna talk NWA, then we would end up talking about Easy E, Ice Cube, the whole Suge Knight stuff, which we're still gonna probably talk about Suge Knight here. But like, yeah. It's just so much more like NWA. If we wanted to do the whole, that's the thing. There's like a whole universe surrounding Dr. Dre where you could just go. If we started from NWA, then you'd have to go Easy E, Ice Cube. And then like through that, there's like whole yeah. other things that you could ju- go through just through them. Cause like then Ice Cube, you can end up talking about West Side Connection for like a half an hour. And it's yeah. just like, I, I would I would say likely we will come back and do an NWA episode at some point. Yeah. Um, but for now, we're really going to be looking at Aftermath and Onwards uh, because yeah. we want to talk about, uh, you know, not only his... Um, uh, uh, and I guess we will be talking about The Chronic to some degree, so Death Row yeah. a little bit. But we're also mm-hmm. not going to be spending a whole lot of time unpacking his albums because... Uh, we want to talk more about his career here. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we feel like albums like 2001 and The Chronic uh, both could be their ho- own episodes because of how feature heavy they are, how influential they are, how important they are. So we will touch uh-huh. on them. But, you know, don't be surprised if we come back in, you know, a year and talk about those two albums specifically. Right now we want to talk about the man the producer, the rapper, the career overall of Dr. Dre and look at how he has influenced and changed uh, the the music industry, the hip-hop genre, the, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of look at him in the macro sense instead of going really minuscule and talking about his, uh, his albums one after the other because his albums are so dense. You know, Mm -hmm. like the sheer number of people who have worked on each of the albums, the number of people who have come in and produced on his albums, who have rapped on his albums, who have written for him. And then the legacy of each of those albums is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like you can't, you could probably play the intro to still DRE anywhere in the world. And like, at least half of the people will know it. Like, yeah, it's around just the first note is iconic. It, I was thinking that I was just listening to that song prior to that, and just the opening, like that, like just those keys. As soon as you hear that, you know exactly, like you know what time. How many it is. songs can you say that where the first note, if you just played just that first note, you can just be like, that, that, yeah, that's still dre. Like, it's <laughs> Welcome, insane. Uh, uh, what is it? The Black Parade, maybe. <laughs> yeah it's like that maybe yeah i'm just i'm joking i'm joking um but yes no so we want to talk about about dr dre in general we will touch on his albums a little bit but this man has such a storied career that it's also like it would take like four hours to really break down everything so uh for those who don't know andre romel young uh, professionally known as Dr. Dre, is an American rapper and record producer. He's the founder and CEO of Aftermath Entertainments and Beats and Beats Electronics, uh, and he was a co-founder, co-owner, and the president of Death Row Records, which is now owned by Snoop Dogg. Um, 
but oh, was, really? yeah, Snoop Dogg owns Death Row in the new. Yo. So this is a, a, something I was going to talk about. His new album, Missionary, tentatively titled, is being done with Dr. Dre. And it's and uh, now that Snoop's the owner of Death Row, that they're doing this album together um, uh, to hearken back to their earlier work together uh, oh, with Snoop Dogg's nice. first album and The Chronic. From Dr. Dre. Uh, what was it? Doctor, you know, Doc, or uh, what's his Snoop Dogg did an album recently, Never Left. That was a pretty sick album that they kind of had like an old school, like West Coast vibe to it that uh, Snoop Dogg did recently. I mean, Snoop Dogg puts out so many damn albums now, uh, but I'm happy to hear that. That is uh, kind of funny that that's the title, Missionary. Mm-hmm. Well, because he's the in first his old album, age now, he can only fuck missionary now. Well, but like, the thing is, is his debut album, which is the one that uh, uh, yeah, Doctor Dr. Dre produced, was Doggy Style. So now they're coming yeah. back for Missionary. <laughs> hey man, that, hey, that's so I, I slick. That's <laughs> nasty work. Nasty work. Um, all right, so yes, Doctor Dre. Uh, he is. Um, was uh, started, he began his career um, as a member of the world-class wrecking crew and uh, later found fame with uh, NWA. Uh, and then uh, and then afterwards, that's when uh, he joined Death Row after leaving NWA. And um, uh, that's where he released his first album, The Chronic. Uh, mm-hmm. It made him one of the best-selling American music artists of 1993, um, uh, which the album was released in 92. It earned him a Grammy Award for Best Rap Solar Performance for the single Let Me Ride uh, and several accolades for the single Nothing But a G Thing. Um, shortly after, he produced uh, Snoop Doggy Dogs, Doggy Style, which also um, made a, a huge splash in hip-hop and West Coast hip-hop. Um, he also uh, worked on um, with uh, uh, Daz Dillinger, Warren G, um, Melman, Sam Sneed. Uh, and in 96, he left Death Row Records to establish his own label, Aftermath Entertainment, uh, and uh, released uh, Dr. Dre Presents the Aftermath. It's a compilation album in 96. Mm-hmm. And then the album that, to me, is... Uh, almost untouchable like i i the masterwork i don't know what you would call it easily um, hands down in my opinion one of the greatest rap albums ever not made. even just rap albums like one of the best albums like produ- yeah. production wise mm-hmm. um sonically uh and this is all attributed to dr dre's tendencies in working Apparently, yeah. well, I did watch the um, the documentary about he, him and Jimmy Iovine. Uh, um, oh, oh, what shit, was it called? Something called? ones. The the the. Uh, let me, how can I forget this, Doctor Dre documentary? The defiant know, ones. The defiant, defiant ones. ones yes, because yeah. that's the same title as the movie with uh, the fuck. Uh, I forget who's in the movie, The Defiant Ones. <laughs> I forget. Uh, why do I uh, Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier there mm. we go um, which about. is about him and Jimmy Iovine's lives as producers leading to their lives as uh, well Dr. Dre as an artist and then ultimately how they came together to work on beats which eventually led to the creation of Apple Music 
in the uh, mm-hmm. turn to streaming. So, you know, um, Dr. Dre's everywhere, my guys and gals and folks. Uh, yeah. He is, he is, uh, but, but t- 2001 is, um, yeah, it's, all, it's untouchable to me. It is one of my, I can go back to it <laughs> anytime and listen to it. It has all sorts of cool features, all sorts of like, really really interesting production choices you've got a roster on it like scott storch uh uh snoop dog uh eminem uh buster rhyme or um exhibit is buster rhymes on there i feel maybe why did i why did i say buster rhymes no uh, i mean hitman buster rhymes would have made sense at that time but no i don't think he is uh no but. you're right maybe i'm thinking of something else anyway um just uh, incredible album um and uh incredible production and cr- just timeless i don't know how else to say it if you don't know 2001 you probably know the the song still dre you probably know some of the other uh singles that were released forgot about dre the next episode um yeah these are the songs- next episode is like the weed smoking anthem just because of the ending just the hey, 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 hey. Smoke, smoke weed, weed every day, day. <laughs> we yeah. got the ending yeah. we didn't get the start though um yeah. but yeah no uh incredible um uh also the album is also known as the chronic 2001 or the chronic 2 um and since then dre focused on producing other artists uh developing other artists um occasionally c- contributing verses he signed eminem in 1998 and 50 cent in 2002 Mm, that also sent him into the stratosphere of uh of having a finger on the pulse of hip hop because in case yeah. in case you guys don't remember um and i i kind of remember because i was a young teen mm-hmm. Eminem and 50 cent were the biggest things yeah absolutely like, we talked huge. about 50 in the album but him in the g unit but like Eminem, even to this day like Eminem from the late 90s early 2000s and 50 cent yeah from his first album get rich or die trying like that was yeah that was it you know m&m from 1999 to 2004 was like untouchable he was the biggest thing ever and it's because of dr dre like dr dre is the one that found him put him on he's the one that got him on like songs like uh What's the one biggie song that uh relax and take tokes while I take tokes and do marijuana smoke? Oh. Whatever that song is, yeah, by Biggie. Like Eminem, that was like one of his first earlier verses was on that. And then obviously, you know, doing songs like Guilty Conscience and then Forgot About Dre, like that was huge. Cause these songs, like these are these came out before. Like, so I think maybe slim, yeah, the Slim Shady LP was out so like the my name is but you know it wasn't until the year after that this 2001 came because 2001 actually came out in 1999 i think we should make that clear yeah, yeah. That's, then, yeah that's always confused me and there's a reasoning for it here's the reasoning uh so dr dre decided he was going to call the album the chronic 2000 as you know the sequel to the chronic which came out in what 93 94 so uh, 92 but, 92. Oh, shit. Okay. So even 
Okay, so 92, The Chronic comes out. Huge album, fucking makes West Coast G-Funk become the thing. Snoop Dogg pops off, Nate Dogg pops off. The whole West Coast is popping. Huge, absolutely huge for West Coast hip-hop and just for hip-hop in general. Just massive. And then, you know, Dr. Dre takes some time with his next album. And then he decides, you know, he makes Aftermath. He leaves Death Row, goes to Aftermath because Death Row was literally doing the most illegal shit possible. Uh, turns out a bunch of criminal rappers turned out to be criminals. No, no, no. Let's thought? let's let's put it. Let's let, I, we got to put some of the onus on on the one guy. Oh Shug. yeah, Suge Knight. Suge Knight was the one who the was just. He's like literally uh, Satan on Earth. You know, like he's. He, He's not 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 a nice yeah. man. Not a nice man. He was man. gangster rap Thanos in the early <laughs> 90s, basically. <laughs> and built like him, too. <laughs> yeah. Dude was huge. He was Rick Ross before Rick Ross was Rick Ross. It was insane. He was just a big, except, ferocious man. Yeah, except Rick Ross doesn't really intimidate me the way Suge Knight does. Like, if you look at pictures of Suge Knight, he kind of looks like a grizzly bear trying to be a man. Like mm-hmm. the way he walks around <laughs> with his like shoulders back. Cause he used to be uh, like, he was like an inf- uh, security guard and an enforcer and stuff like that. Like yeah. he used to intimidate people and had like gang. Connect- he was built, mm. he was built different. Um, oh yeah, truly. But anyway, big boy. So, you know, death row, even though death row had, you know, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, you know, all these guys wanted out of their contracts because Suge Knight was, a fucking criminal in so terror. many so, so many terror. ways he was i mean he's literally in prison right now so yeah. what can i say he murdered a man with his car i'm pretty yeah. sure he ran he a guy ran over, a guy and, like, over uh in jesus christ uh, in he ran a guy over uh, uh maliciously too like he's yeah. yeah he's not a he's like a fucking he's like a character from like a scorsese movie almost with the shit he does is so wild it's insane um anyway right, no, so, wait, wait wait I'll, I'll put a bit of context to this there is a theory that he deliberately gave easy e aids aids and yeah. and well, he's yeah. so evil that mm-hmm. you're like maybe you know like yeah i mean <laughs> he's also one of the prime suspects behind the murders of tupac and biggie yeah, which you know, there's been um, there's been a lot of series and like documentaries that have come out recently about that. So if you're interested about the conspiracies behind that, you can you can, there's lots of material out there yeah. for you to look into. But uh, yeah, there. I mean, Suge Knight could be a whole episode on his own with just the wild shit he's done. You know, yeah. There's that's the thing. There's so many tangents we could go on with Dr. Dre that it's insane. So anyway. Snoop or Suge Knight, Death Row, bad. Uh, so yes. Dr. Dre leaves. He forms Aftermath, which is, you know, the label that still exists today that, you know, where Eminem put out some of his shit. Uh, Kendrick put out his first album through Aftermath and TDE. So, you know, it's got, there's been classics put through Aftermath. So, anyway, 1999. Dr. Dre's like, I want to name my album The Chronic 2000 as a follow up to The Chronic. And Suge Knight's like, fuck you. I own the name, the chronic. And also I'm going to put out an album called the chronic 2000 before you even get the chance to. So he dropped, it was like a death row, like compilation of just like death row B sides, album artists and stuff like that. So then 
Dr. Dre was like, okay, well, fuck this guy. I'm just going to call my album The Chronic 2001 because who gives a shit? But then lawyers got involved. They're like, no, Suge Knight literally does own The Chronic. So you can't use The Chronic. So technically the album is just called 2001. But like to all everyone, you know, calls it The Chronic 2001. You know, everyone knows that album art. It is iconic just because it's black and then it just has the weed. The weed leaf in 2001. It's like, it's if I had to pick, it, in terms of albums that are just black covers, there's Metallica's The Black Album, and there's Dr. Dre's 2001. And, mm. you know, those are like two of the most iconic, like, album arts, like, that I can think, like. Oh, hugely. also Jay-Z Black Album. The Black Album, okay, yeah. Mm. So there's a lot of albums that are just black, that are, uh, Super big, but we're going to focus on 2001, which is just front to back insane. Like, yes. I was just listening to this album and like no skips, no, no skips. Well, no maybe, skips. maybe, maybe an interlude that you might want to skip depending yeah. on where you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but who's around you? Before we yes. get into that, let me talk a little bit more about what yeah, he's yeah. done since then. So, uh, signed Eminem, signed 50 Cent, they blew up, they went crazy. Since then, he's produced. Yeah. Multiple kept songs. his ears to the streets and signed Eminem, and yeah. now he's triple platinum, doing fifty a week. So yeah, as as <laughs> as, as from from, from the mouth of the man himself, uh, he's also produced albums, produced songs, and overseen the careers of many other rappers, including the DOC, Snoop Dogg, Exhibit, Nocturnal, The Game, Kendrick Lamar, Anderson Pack, Jay Z, Mary J. Blige. Um, let's see what else here, Raekwon. Uh, 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 you know, so many. He, he put a song out for. He he produced a song for Tech Nine. He produced mm -hmm. a song for Obi Trice for Ti for Exhibit Alicia Keys. Um, uh, you know, so many people. Like you just a DJ. He worked with DJ Khaled. He worked with uh, uh, Papoose, uh, Young Buck. Nas, uh, uh, Busta Rhymes, Mob Deep, um, yeah, just everybody. Like he's been all over D twelve, uh, just yeah. I the list goes on and on. I'm not gonna go through the whole list, yeah, yeah. But just to get to get the understand understanding that this dude has been around. He has been around. Mm -hmm. He has produced. He has uh done artist development. He has uh, executive produced albums. Um, he has brought in and mentored various artists, including Kendrick Lamar and Anderson Pack. Um, he's been in movie roles. Uh, he's won seven Grammy Awards, including Producer of the Year, non-classical. Rolling Stone ranked him 56 on the list of 100 greatest artists of all time. And... Uh, as in 2018, he was the second richest figure in hip hop. Uh, now I don't know if he's where he sits on the list, uh, but he is in the top 10 richest people in hip hop. Um, and mm -hmm. at one point his value was over a billion dollars. Um, he, uh, yeah. And then beats by Dre, which was a whole other thing that he mm -hmm. did. Uh, he created a, a headphone company and a speaker company. Uh, and, 
That eventually got amalgamated and bought by Apple, brought into Apple products. Uh, and on, uh, I remember for a very long time, one of the things that Apple laptops said that they were delivering or one of the selling points was that they were Beats speakers, Beats sound systems in mm -hmm. them. Uh, and that eventually led into the Beats music, which turned into Apple music while he was working with Jimmy Iovine, who was working at Apple at the time, uh, which made, uh, you know, which which is now on so many phones and is the main competitor to Spotify. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when like the Beats by Dre like first came out when the headphones actually came out when they were just by Monster when that that was like the overhead company, but like and even though they were like extremely overpriced and you're really just kind of buying the name. They were pretty sick, specifically, like, if you were into hip-hop. And, like, I got them when I was in grade 12, I think. And so I was super into hip-hop. And I loved Dr. Dre. And the thing was, they I remember Dr. Dre in an interview said, Beats by Dre were designed specifically for uh, In the Club. That's the song. If you have a pair of Beats headphones, play In the Club. Because that's the song they were made for. Even that if you did, don't, even if you don't have a pair of head Beats headphones, just listen to In the Club because Dr. Dre produced yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he was the executive producer on Get Rich or Die Trying. I mean, this dude is everywhere. This, this, mm -hmm. like, if you like hip hop, and if you are, you know, or or even if you don't like hip hop, but especially if you like hip hop, this guy has had his his mind and fingers in the pies of so many different things that have become icons on their own, like people, songs mm -hmm. that have been become iconic and icons on their own. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it's like, oh man, you're listening to uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. You want to know who mentored Kendrick Lamar? Dr. <laughs> Dre. He was the I mean, executive producer and helped him work on the album that everybody loves. Good Kid, Mad City. Yeah. Like, Jesus, man. Like, this yeah. dude's everywhere. There's even some, you know, uh, influences that you might not even know, for example. And I know neither of us fuck with Kanye anymore. But Kanye's early production, his, like, soul sample beats, which are fucking sick and are still some of the best beats ever made. I hate to say it, but they really are. Um, his style was influenced by the song Explosive from 2001, which is just a soul sample with a nice big heavy drum. That's all it is. And that's what Kanye's first three albums were, were just soul samples with big ass drums and it slaps. And it's like, if you thought of, like you would never associate Dr. Dre and Kanye because they're so completely different. But then when you really break it down, it's like, oh shit. And Kanye himself has even said like, yeah, that's the song that like, listen to my early shit. That's the song. Like, so, you know, his influence is everywhere, dude. Everywhere across hip hop. Mm -hmm. And then you also have uh, one of the greatest tours in rap history that was involved around the time of 2001 that people Up still smoke. talk about in reverence, the 2000 West coast hip hop tour known as up and smoke headlined Ooh. by Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg featuring artists and Dick disc jockeys. 
uh, Ice Cube, Eminem, Proof, Nate Dog, Corrupt, D12, MC Ren, West Side Connection, Children of the Ghetto, Melman, East Side, the, the East Siders, Doggies, Angels, Devin the Dude, Warren G, uh, Crucial Conflict, TQ, Truth Hurt, Hurts, Exhibit, the DOC, Hitman, DJ Crazy Tunes, 6-2, uh, Miss Toy, and Def, DJ Jam. Um, this tour has a legendary uh, DVD. It was this, mm-hmm. this huge cultural moment in hip-hop. Um, it was huge production. Uh, um, this was also the year that Dr. Dre won the Grammy for producer of the year non-classical. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, 2001 is where he just exploded. And then he switched over to the focus on production, on business. There was the famed Detox album that has not mm. come out, um, though some singles have been leaked or songs that were purportedly part of it have come out, but mm-hmm. it never saw the light of day. And Dr. Dre didn't really release any music again until uh, until Compton, which came out in 2015, where he worked closely with Kendrick Lamar, Anderson Pac, and a slew of other uh, producers and artists uh, to create a soundtrack to the city of Compton to give his flowers to where he was from. Uh, and uh, And since then hasn't really released anything except a few songs. He's back producing, um, but he made a ton of money on beats and mm-hmm. involving himself in that world. So, you know, it's like yeah. this dude is everywhere. Uh, and um, yeah. I mean, he also like, ah, he, he, he's tapped in, I would say like, he like, he did the, recently did the whole DLC part, like the uh, expansion part for Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm, he made a bunch mm-hmm. of new music for that. Even last year, he did the halftime, uh, the Super Bowl halftime show, which was like fantastic. And then you got the hilarious meme of Fat Fifty Cent. Like, you know, he he's just not that that was intentional, but like <laughs> somehow always bringing himself into like the forefront of culture, like. He hasn't released a new album in eight years, but yet Dr. Dre is still a significant name and he always will be. He only releases an album once every 10 years. If that, I don't know what like the ballpark is on his like release, but like he's always like, he's always relevant. And like, if if, I, I can't think of anyone that would ever say anything bad about Dr. Dre or deny Dr. Dre's like significance in hip hop. Like if you ever met somebody who's like, eh, Dr. Dre's overrated, delete that person from your life immediately. That person is a goddamn fool. Yes. And they do not deserve to be now, here. Leave with, them. <laughs> with that being said, there are some uh there are some arguments against uh or or some flaws in his character, let's say. He he's been known yeah, to obviously. uh do uh uh He's been known to be a bit uh, aggressive and, and mm. uh, has had some uh, personal, uh, what would the word be? Um, well, he's had some domestic abuse issues. Yes. <laughs> Let's just say that. And uh, yeah, he's he, he's beat the shit out of some people that he should not have done that to. And, um, you know, yeah. like, this was many years know. ago. Um, this was yeah. literally 30 years ago, yeah. if not more. When he was, so, so, and since then he has apologized. 
He's done made huge donations to um, various philanthropic Mm. and charitable organizations. He has publicly, uh, you know, accepted the the that he is he was wrong and he's apologized. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there were controversies, I mean, right? It is cra- he was. Controversial. You have to put it. You have to put it in context. This is a man from Compton who grew up around gangs. This was a man from NWA, the first the the group that created gangster, gangster rap, rap. Yeah, the most like anti-authoritarian rap. These were public enemy number one. You know, that's, you know, public enemy existed too. And they were also literal public enemies. But, you know, these people, they were such, they were villainized from day one. And obviously being from Compton, you, you know, it's hard to live a fucking perfect ideal life. And so obviously, you know, constantly people, have, especially in the 90s, when, you know, like stuff like Fox News was going so hard against rap. And just like trying to just fucking paint all of these rappers as like criminals, which the let's face facts, some of them were. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, like Snoop Dogg's a fucking drug dealer. He's a goddamn crip. Okay. Like these things happen, but you know, you know, this man is now a billionaire. So it's like obviously, you know, he's like he hasn't done the criminal shit in decades but you know you just have to put some context of where these guys have come from oh yeah and i mean let's let's be fair he did say he made a statement to the new york times saying uh uh 25 years ago i was a young man drinking too much and in over my head with uh with no real structure in my life however none of this is an excuse for what i did i've been married for 19 years and every day i'm working to be a better man for my family seeking guidance along the way i'm doing everything i can mm-hmm. so i never resemble that man again i apologize to all the women i've hurt i deeply regret what i did and know that it has forever impacted all of our lives he also spoke in the film defiant ones saying um about one of the incidents that he was involved in this was a very low point in my life i've done a lot of stupid shit in my life a lot of things i wish i could go and take back I've experienced abuse. I've watched my mother get abused. So there's absolutely no excuse for it. No woman should ever be treated that way. Any man that puts his hands on a female is a fucking idiot. He's out of his fucking mind. And I was out of my fucking mind at that time. I know I fucked up. I paid for it. I'm sorry for it. And I apologize for it. I have this dark cloud that follows me and it's going to be attached to me forever. It's a major blemish on who I am as a man. And he's that and that he's sorry about it. You know, like these, mm-hmm. this person has grown up since then, obviously. But mm-hmm. we'd be remiss to say when you said there's nothing you could say about him, but not to mention that in his young life, it was very tumultuous. Uh, he came from, as yeah. you said, Compton. He be, they became very, very rich, very quickly, very popular, very quickly, and very demonized very quickly in the public. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and obviously I mean, yeah. here's the thing. I just want to like say this, like, for example, like this, we're talking about something that happened like 30 years ago. So it's like, okay, t- enough time has been, I mean, this happened before I was fucking born. Okay. So like, it's, it's different than like when people, for example, when XXX Tenacion was still fucking live and people were like, I love this guy. It's like, he literally beat the shit out of his girlfriend last week, last week, like, you can't condone, like, and then be like, well, he's grown. It's like, oh, he's grown from last week. But it doesn't matter because he's, you know, a 
you know what happened. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, uh, you know. Um, but anyway, the uh, 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 but he, Dr. Dre, uh, aside from all of that, his, you know, he's known as a top tier producer uh, and not just a producer like in he cares deeply about audio engineering and sound mm-hmm. design um and uh, uh you know he he's he's constantly evolving his production style um he you know there's a real kind of sense of keeping in touch with the early sounds that he created while also kind of reshaping elements from his previous work and building upon sounds that are popular and innovating sounds themselves. I mean, the G funk sound is pretty much thanks to him, you know, yeah, the G funk West coast sound is Dr. Dre's doing. I mean, not, you can't say it's 100% him, but it's him working in tandem with the artists of the West Coast at that time to create a distinctive sound. Like, you know, people like Warren G and uh, Nate Dogg were also just as important to like creating this sound. But, you know, it, it it's such a distinctive sound that like, you know, stuff like San Andreas, it, that they're like, oh, what sound encapsulates the early West 90s? Yeah. It's like, boom, it's like, that's all you need to do is just throw some Dr. Dre on it. And you have a sound that imperfectly encapsulates that era of hip hop and that era, like that area, because, you know, back then it was either West Coast, East Coast, and they were very distinctively different sounds. Yeah. But, you know, and the way... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, the West Coast sound, like, it has that, like, distinctive, like, you know, it has lots of piano and, like, guitar stuff to it. But then it has that one distinctive keyboard sound, like the... Yeah, so that's what I was just about to get to. So so G-Funk, for those who don't know, uh, comes from um, The Chronic, uh, which is thought to be one of the most well-produced hip-hop albums of all time, along with 2001. Mm -hmm. Um... But the 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 sounds that they used were a lot of the 1970s funk samples, bass heavy, lots of background female vocals or chops, um, and a lot of synthesizer uh, sounds, solos, uh, synthesizer like runs, um, you know, uh, piano. Uh, Dr. Dre used the Mini Moog synth to replay a melody mm-hmm. from Leon Haywood's 1972 song, I Want to Do Something Freaky to You, um, for the Chronic's first single, Nothing But a G Thing, which became a global hit. Um, uh, the uh, uh, um, And Dr. Dre's always working with other producers too, which is another yeah. thing. Dr. Dre, much like, again, not wanna, don't want to talk too much about him, but yay. Um, he he has a, a camp. It's like a it's like a crew of people mm-hmm. working together. Um, even when it comes to his rapping, he it is he's openly acknowledged that um, that he's uh, not a writer. He's not, he's not a writer. That great of a writer, and, uh, and that he is a uh, um, uh, you he, know he is a curator in the best way possible he is like the best example of what a curator should be and like there are other people that do that too kanye does that dj khaled does that to some like to an extent yeah, but where DJ he's, khaled you know really he gets <laughs> yeah dj khaled doesn't really 
do anything, but he knows he like that's that's the genius of DJ Khaled. He's like, okay, but if I put say Nas and this producer together and then get a guest cook from this pop star, it's gonna make a hot song. And more often than not, he's usually right. And but Dr. Dre, he's like okay, this is what I want to see. I want to get this guy on my beats. Let's get Exhibit in here. We'll throw Exhibit on this. Okay, let's get Eminem to write a hook. And then, you know, Eminem can write my verse. And then we got a hot song. And it works all the time. Well, and I think I think the other thing about it is that Dr. Dre, um, he, so uh, uh, one of the Aftermath producers told Scratch, uh, um, in an article, it's like a classroom in the booth. He'll have three writers in there. They'll bring in something. He'll recite it. He'll and then he'll say, "Change this line. Change this word." Like he's grading papers. He retains mm-hmm. ultimate control over his lyrics and the themes in his songs. So he's actively involved. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like uh, when you. Uh, the, the only reason why I, I kind of recoiled when you brought up DJ Khaled is like DJ Khaled is a curator and like executive producer in the in the truest sense of the word but dr dre is also like a musician like he's actually sound like cares about the sound is like cares about everything he's actively involved he's way more involved than than yeah he's a far more hands-on version whereas dj khaled is like okay these people can make a hot song together let's just get them in the studio see what they do and he's very hands-off once he gets the people together he'll throw his tag on it but other than that he's not really doing much but D- Dr. Dre, on the other hand, is like, let's get these guys together. Let's see what we can do. And they'll probably make song, multiple songs together, like 10 songs. Because, like, I guarantee you, there's probably thousands upon thousands of Dr. Dre songs that nobody's ever heard. And they'll never see the light of day because he's so fucking meticulous, like, to a fault, almost. Like, Detox was supposed to come out for 15 years, and it never did because... It just wasn't up to his standard. And like Mm -hmm. he has such a high standard. So that's why, like, I'll say it again, 2001, no skips. Like you, it's a work ethic that has not, another producer hasn't done that. Like, I don't think in hip hop, people have come close, but nobody has done it this many times and hit like Dr. Dre only has three studio albums, three albums. That's it. They yeah. all slap front to back. I mean, I I almost, I actually forgot how good Compton actually is. Like it's it is, it's very different. It's very, very mm-hmm. different, but I like the fact that it's different and it has some really, really good mm-hmm. songs on it. Before we get into the songs, let's talk about some of the uh, Grammys that he won. Let Me Mm -hmm. Ride for Best Rap Solo Performance. Forgot About Dre, Best Rap Performance by a Duo or Group with Eminem. Uh, He won as the engineer for the Marshall Mathers LP. Um, Mm -hmm. That was the year he was also nominated for Best Rap Album. He was also nominated for Producer of the Year Non-Classical in both 2001, 2002, and 2003. Um, 
he was he won for best rap performance by a duo or group for Crack a Bottle with Eminem and Fifty Cent. He won. Uh, goes. He won it for an, as an engineer on Relapse by Eminem for best rap album, um, which is and, arguably Eminem's like last good album. Yes, he Maybe. also won an Emmy for the outstanding variety special live for the Super Bowl halftime show of last year. Um, he uh, uh, has been in. Um, the he was a, a cameo in the Cayo Perico heist in Grand Theft Auto. He was uh, mm-hmm. had a voice role and likeness uh, for Grand Theft Auto Online: The Contract. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, uh, also has been in a bunch of uh, um, movies in guest roles, um, but also in the Up and Smoke tour film um, and the Defiant Ones and Unity. Um, he was nominated for many other Grammy awards. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So like 20 plus, uh, nominations, seven wins, um, three albums, two soundtracks, and then two albums with world-class wrecking crew, his first group, four albums with NWA. And then we get to production and his production list is, uh long to say the least long and god tier absolutely god tier like he has produced some of the hottest songs for some of the hottest artists out there like let's bang out a few of them so california love tupac California, um, love. Mm-hmm. that's another signature of the west coast sound the vocorder that kind of brought yeah. the vocorder back in the 90s because that's another signature that he eventually transitioned to in the later 90s was big brass and i loved that just the well you hear it you hear it in a lot of the 50 cent yeah, you stuff, yeah, you yeah. definitely hear it because like you know, and it definitely that style was definitely influenced like Scott Storch's style as well. But mm-hmm. I love that when he brought in the big brass, that was my favorite shit. And that's those are probably some of my favorite beats. Like I'm thinking specifically of if I can't, which I think is a Scott Storch beat. I could be wrong, but like I love that style. Well, I just Scott, love that style of production. And Scott Storch, shout out the God mm-hmm. Sto- Scott Storch. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, here's a fun fact about Scott Storch. He was a member of the Roots. Um, oh shit, really? Yeah, and then he left. The oh no, Roots. Dr. Dre did do "If I Can't." That is a Dr. Dre beat. Nice. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, and then he went on to become one of the most uh, uh, sought after producers. And, uh, and, and, um, uh, you know, beat, I don't want to say beat makers, musicians that were mm-hmm. involved in, in the two thousands. And, uh, and we, we have him to thank for, uh, um, a lot of the work that's done on, uh, on 2001, you know, still Dre, that's him on the piano. Mm-hmm. Like that, yep. that, dun, 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 dun. that's him. That's mm-hmm. Scott Storch lean back terror squad like mm-hmm. the sounds scott storch is hugely important and was very involved in 2001's oh, production another song that perfectly which dr dre and scott storch did together popping them thanks by g unit that is one that's ex- perfect yep. example of the beat i'm trying to talk about like yep. mm, boom, boom, everywhere we go boom. 
Um, so let's look here. He he produced uh, uh, pretty much all of the he was thirteen songs on Doggy Style, um, mm-hmm. California Love. Uh, he was producer uh, on Nas is Coming from Nas as it was written. Um, mm-hmm. He produced on so many Eminem uh, projects. Produced my yeah. name is. Uh, Guilty Conscience, um, mm-hmm. which he produced together with Eminem. And also, Dr. Mm-hmm. Dre helped Eminem to understand production. And Eminem's yeah. gone on to produce a lot of things himself. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's the, uh, let's see, Dr. Dre, he produced on all of it. Uh, 2001, all 21 songs. Uh, he produced for Ice Cube. He produced uh, The Real Slim Shady. Uh, a bunch of one, two, three, four, six songs on Marshall Mathers LP. He produced for Exhibit. Um, he produced Fight Music for D12. Love uh, that song. Yeah, Banger, Mary J. Blige, Family Affair. Um, he wore Warren G, Nate Dogg, uh, The Eminem Show, um, Business, Say What You Say, My Dad's Gone Crazy. Uh, let's see. Let's get Love a little bit song, closer. Dude. What's the one that you were saying? Oh, yeah, Fifty Cent oh. in the club. Heat. If I can't back down. Uh, Ob Trice songs from the Ob Trice album. Cheers, mm-hmm. popping them yeah. things and G'd up from Beg for Mercy, a great album by G Unit. Yeah. Um, he also did like West Side Story and How We Do from the documentary by The Game, which is just another fantastic album that also is just a glorious you know like sort of dedication to the west coast sounds because you know the game kind of like brought that back it's, it's kind of like see every so often there's like a new person that kind of like rebrings this sound back because it's such an iconic sound like whenever dr Dre drops obviously people are like oh yeah the west coast but like when the documentary came out, like that was huge. And people were like, oh yeah, West Coast hip hop is sick. Or when Good Kid Mad City <laughs> came out, people were, once again, were like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, the West Coast, and fucking guess, sick. And guess who helped, guess who mentored Kendrick Lamar and worked with him during that album? Yeah, exactly. Dr. Dre. Um, uh, the Game, yeah, he produced stuff for The Game. He also produced a bunch of stuff on Eminem's Encore album, um, mm-hmm. including singles, Ass Like That, and Just Lose It. Um, mm-hmm. he Rain Man is, uh, is it Rain Man or what's the song on Encore? No, Evil Deeds. That is one of the most underrated Eminem songs ever. It is so sick. If you go back and listen to Encore, listen to Evil Deeds. That song goes so hard. Um, he uh, he produced uh, Straight to the Bank on Fifty Cent's Curtis album, along with some other songs. I'm laughing straight to the bank. Oh. Um, yeah uh jay-z's kingdom come album he produced lost one which we both were just talking about before we recorded probably the our favorite jay-z beat like yeah i mean i just love that instrumental it is so gorgeous Oh my just god. Just the, the piano, the chords, like that that beat in like inspired me and influenced me so much in like beats that I tried to make, like especially when I was doing a lot of piano-based stuff. Like I just love that beat. And I used I used to have uh like just like a 
uh, a playlist on in like my Apple Music, like on my iPad of just instrumentals. And like 50% of the instrumentals were Dr. Dre beats. And it was just stuff that I would just rap over and like freestyle over when i was bored and like you know that's how i kind of come up with some lines and some shit like that and that was one of the beats i would always go back to was lost one like i don't even know if i know that song that well like the jay-z like i've listened to the instrumental more than i've listened to the actual jay-z song just because i love that beat so fucking much it's it's beautiful it has it's just sounds so good like just go listen to it it's legitimately a beautiful piece of music just listen it is to it. it's amazing um he also produced uh songs for ti tech nine um exhibit alicia keys um the game stat quo lots of more mm. stuff for 50 lots more for uh, M, he produced one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tracks on Compton. Um, he uh, worked on Eminem's Revival album, Anderson Pock's Oxnard album. He was the executive producer on Eminem's Music to Be Murdered By and Music to Be Murdered By Side B. Uh, um, he he did the GTA Online, the contract songs, which uh, include Gospel. Black Privilege, um, Diamond Mind, The Scenic Route, ETA, and Falling Up. He uh, produced on DJ Khaled's God Did album. Um, and this is just like, we're going through, he, he produced for Mob D. Yeah. He produced for, like, mm-hmm. we're we're just like skimming the surface. I mean, of, he of did the, the sick beat, the, the beat for Twins, Deep Cover, because that's originally a Dr. Dre song that he did with Snoop Dogg, but then Fat Joe... And Big Pun took it. And right. then that's where you get the iconic do dead it. in the middle of little, literally, little did we know that we riddle some little men who didn't do diddly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That. Just that. I that, messed that it up. Part. I said yeah. little, little men, men instead it's of middle men. I know. Oh, it's well. Dead in the middle of little, literally, little did we know that we riddle some middle men who didn't do diddly. There, there we go. Corrected. Got it. Corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, he can actually, he can actually, both, both he and, 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 uh, and Cody can do it like in sync perfectly. I can't, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh, my, my I love that song. Tied. That is one of my favorite beats ever. And I've ripped off the bass line in that beat <laughs> so many times. I've, uh, yeah, I've made like the boom, 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 like ready for war, y'all. Anyway, love oh. that song. If you, Go listen to that song. Go listen to Big Pun. Honestly, people need to people need to start listening to Big Pun again. I think that's what some people need to do. But start with that song, and then there's some you can go deep. Go listen and, to Fat Joe too. Shout yeah, out Fat Joe. Shout out Fat Joe. Joey Crack. Um, oh, yeah. The uh, another thing that we did <laughs> didn't even mention is the production he did for uh, World Class Wrecking Crew mm-hmm. for NWA for CIA yep. for. Uh, uh, Easy E, um, you know, he produced songs like Straight Out of Compton, Fuck the Police, Gangsta Gangsta, Express Yourself. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he Boys produced, in the Hood, <laughs> yeah, he produced for DOC, No One Can Do It Better, pretty much the whole album. He produced, uh, uh, 100 Miles and Running, yeah, 100 Miles and Running. Um, uh, uh, the title of the album that I can't say. Uh, something mm-hmm. for life. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, just like 
and Snoop Dogg, doggy style, obviously. Did I already say that? I don't know. The yeah, list yeah, gin is and long. juice, dude. The list is long as as the day is long. It is uh this man has has just been around and then there's the business accolades that the everything that he's been involved with outside of that. We've already talked that to death. Obviously, you get it. Dr. Dre is not only prolific uh kind of creator of these musical experiences producer sound engineer um mentor artist development uh uh developer i guess i think i keep saying that um but like on on top of all of that he's innovating sounds he's changing Mm -hmm. things so I guess for the last, uh, you know, latter half of this, let's actually talk about some of the sounds because we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's talk about, and there's so much more we could cover here. Like there is, we're scratching the surface here, trying to give you the Coles notes of why this dude is sick. Um, and literally uh, I, I, I said it earlier, but this man is truly a Titan. Like, you know, you can say people are like fucking huge, influential, but he, there's, I don't know how many people in hip hop you could actually say this man is a titan. Yeah, and like, what they have done is undeniable. Yeah. It is undeniable. Well, and it's the craziest part about it too is that we are just talking about really from aftermath onwards. Like yeah, there's a whole yeah. first half of his career that we were yada yada mm. yadding that it's like yeah. he was in the group that made gangsta rap, yeah, and he produced most of it. Like mm-hmm. he was in NWA, the NWA. He was. I know. He produced Doggy Style. He, you know, like this is like these. These are like alone. He could have stopped and be yeah. like. I'm just going to produce for the rest of my life. But then he put out the chronic in 2000 and, uh, or in 1992, sorry, um, released in December. Um, it was his debut studio album and, uh, it was released on death row records, as we said, and distributed by interscope. Interscope is important because that's how he gets connected with Jimmy Iovine, which winds up getting us all goddamn Apple music, you know, like, <laughs> These this career is crazy, dude. Like linking yeah. up with Jimmy Iovine way back then, leading all the way to uh uh to 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 like 2015 when Apple Music is launched, and now we all have Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. He had a hand in that. That was part of it. Like mm-hmm. it's nuts, just nuts. Titan is is exactly the way to say it in the like most mythological sense. Like this dude is like move has moved yeah. mountains. Um, yeah. Now, I don't think there's like a better word in the syntax to like, sort of like say like I in, in mine, that's the best. That's the best thing I can think of. Like, I don't know. God Titan. I don't God super duper Titan. I don't know yeah, how to know. properly say it. I don't have the word, but Titan is as close as I can get to describing what this dude is. <laughs> Yeah. So Dr. Dre, the chronic is released December 15th, 1992. He wins Grammys off of it. It is uh, the production 
on the chronic is seen as not only innovative, but completely groundbreaking and received Mm -hmm. universal acclaim from critics, popularizing the G funk sound, uh, and, uh, patented it, patented, 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 where are we both having a patent Oswalted? Yeah. He he, (laughs) he patented the G funk sound, blunted parliament funkadelic beats soulful backing vocals and live instruments in the rolling bass lines and whiny slow moving synths um for the next four years this is a all music commenting for the next four years it was virtually impossible to hear mainstream hip-hop that wasn't affected in some way by dre and his patent patented g-funk um it was uh, not yeah. sampled heavy using only one or two or just a small number of samples per song. Lots of live instrumentations. Um, it, it, he, the, the, uh, uh, it, it has been called a benchmark. You measure your album against if you're serious. Um, mm-hmm. It is, it was, huge and then there was the controversy about the around the album because of the subject matter of the lyrics the lyrics was it was noted that the album was a frightening amalgam of inner city street gangs that includes misogynist sexual politics and violent revenge scenarios clashing with this kind of completely uh wild new Mm -hmm. g-funk sound this whole thing that he had curated um it was uh, uh, you, you almost well. I won't say universally beloved at the time because there were people who were actively against mm-hmm. this. Places like the yeah. Village Voice gave it a C plus, but then other places were giving it A plus. Entertainment Weekly, Weekly, the Rolling Stone gave it a four out of five. The Source gave it a four point five out of five. USA Today gave it three point five out of four. Um, it's uh. Uh, uh, it was, it was said popular that, back then, and yeah. like so, it was well received, generally well received then. But the reception of it has only gotten better as time has gone by. Just because as people saw how influential it was, they were like, "Oh shit!" Like the entire like early to mid nineties, like his sound was everywhere. It was either people deliberately trying to recreate this sound. It was, or, you know, he was working with people to give them the sound that they wanted, but this was, there was like this. And then there was sort of the, you know, DJ premier style of the East coast. And like, that's basically what hip hop was in the nineties. It was like Dr. Dre west coast style or you know but the east coast i think you know is more attributed to a couple of people because you know you got like the ditc guys you got you know even uh you know there's like the bomb squad uh dj premier and stuff uh but on the west coast it was almost single-handedly dre was like with the chronic did that and the crazy thing about the chronic is Dr. Dre was barely a rapper before. Like he did some rap stuff yeah, after uh, Ice Cube left NWA and went became a solo artist. But like NWA, people were like, it was Easy E and Ice Cube. People were like, yeah, those are the stars of end of, of that are going to break out and be huge solo successes. No one 
in like 1989 would have probably thought, yeah, Dr. Dre, yeah, that guy's going to be a fucking billionaire in 20 years. No one would have ever assumed that, ever. But turns out he is arguably more influential than Easy e or Ice Cube, which is Wild. insane. It's insane. Insane. Yeah. And and I, we should say that this album, as of the, now, uh, the number that I have here is as of 2015, but it was 5.7 million copies in the United States alone. Um, mm-hmm. The album was certified triple platinum uh, less than a year after it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it is his second best-selling album. 2001 uh, is his most successful, which was certified sextuple platinum. Six times platinum. Right. Uh, yeah. Man. This guy. And so, so look, if you want to start somewhere from where, where this, like Dr. Dre is a solo artist, producer, aftermath, all that stuff, even though the chronic was released on death row, which apparently he's getting the rights back to later this year or will be shortly or has already. Um nice which is sick um, because, it, and it's going to defaulting back to uh, Interscope, which is probably Snoop Dogg. Now that he's the head of death row is giving it back to him because they're homies, right? Like Snoop's yeah. probably like you get him back, bro. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this album is excellent. Uh, absolutely wonderful. Um, and it's a very good stepping stone between the kind of sounds of the West coast in the late night or in the eighties and early nineties into what would become something that would define hip hop proper forever. And that is 2001 or the chronic 2001 or the chronic two or whatever you want to say, call it. Um, I just want to say this, Dr. J literally just got the rights back to the chronic last month february 1st see i remember seeing somebody or like a post about that or something and mm-hmm. people were taught and he was like talking about it in like an interview so that's cool i'm happy to see that he uh he got it back you know mm-hmm. he, he he they took it from from suge <laughs> yeah I mean, uh yeah take so everything from suge 2001 suge gets nothing <laughs> uh 2001 is an expansion on the debut G-Funk sound that incorporates a lot of other sounds that we wind up hearing throughout the 2000s and beyond. Um, it is, again, much like The Chronic, filled with gangster rap themes such as violence, crime, promiscuity, sex, and drug use, and street gangs. It debuted number two on the U.S. Billboard chart. Uh, it is six times platinum. The album has sold 7,800,000 copies in the United States as of August 2015. Um, it is uh, uh, the original t- title was supposed to be uh, The Chronic 2, A New World, o- <laughs> new world Odor. Papa's got a <laughs> brand new funk. Um and it was in, to include various new songs by Dr. Dre, along with the Tupac single California Love, which wasn't included on his album All Eyes on Me for this reason. Uh, however, this version of the album was scrapped after Dre's departure from Death Row Records. Um, as we already talked about, Suge Knight created the 
Chronic 2000. We already told that story. Mm-hmm. Um, in an interview with New York Times, Dr. Dre spoke about his motivation to record the album and how he felt that he had to prove himself to fans and media again after doubts arose over his production and rapping ability. Uh, those doubts came from the fact that he had not released a solo album since The Chronic in 1992. He stated, for the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk out on the streets about whether or not I can still hold my own, whether I'm not, I'm still good at producing. That was the ultimate motivation for me. Magazines, word of mouth, and rap tabloids were saying I didn't have it anymore. What more do I need to do? How many platinum records have I made? Okay, here's the album. Now what do you have to say? Uh, even in one of the songs, he talks about that. <laughs> Um. Uh. What do you think? What does he say? Uh. What's the line? What? Uh. Because I stay well off. Now I get oh. the this hate mail all day saying Dre fell off. Why? Because I've been with, in the lab with the pen in the pad trying to get this damn <laughs> label off. I, I had that. that. This, this is the millennium the, aftermath. Yeah, this is the millennium of aftermath. Gonna, there ain't gonna be nothing after that. It's gonna be one more plaque and plaque and fuck rap. You can have it back. <laughs> Where's all the mad rappers it's at? It's so good. Like jungle in this habitat. Because all you savage cats heard of us strapped with gats like cuddling a cabbage patch. Nowadays. <laughs> Anyways, I can yeah, write that one. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the the uh, album pre- primarily featured co-production between Dr. Dre and Melman. Um, it was, uh, 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 you know, um, for all music, the writer Stephen Thomas Erlewine uh, noted that he pushed himself hard, finding new variations in the formula by adding ominous strings, soulful vocals, reg and reggae, resulting in a fairly interesting recontextualization. Uh, sonically, this is first-rate, straight-up gangsta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so absolutely. Sick. That's so nasty. <laughs> I love it. Um, this, yeah, yeah. This album is unfiltered gangsta. It is just sick. Like, if you listen to this album, you'll be wearing khaki chino pants in, like, no time with cuffing a crease, too. Okay? Yeah. You'll be... You'll just be doing it, dude. Like, there's just so many good songs and so many good writers on this album, too, which, like, that's... You gotta love Dr. Dre because he's put on so many sick people. Like, Eminem was a writer on this. Royce the Five Nine was on this. Little known fact, still DRE. Written by Jay Z. Mm-hmm. Jay Z's not even on the song. Just wrote a fire ass song for Dr. Dre. Um, who else? I, Hitman did a bunch of the writing. Corrupt did a bunch of writing on here. And like, man, so so good. Like even, uh, I remember this is one of the. This is the first album where I ever heard like a. Uh, like a like a skit on like a on a rap album. I remember I was in grade fuck, four, maybe. And my buddy at the time, Mike Parsons, has this album in his Walkman and we're just listening to it. And then he's like, yo, you want to hear something f- hilarious? And I'm like, yeah. And then he just plays the pause for porno skit. And it's literally just an audio po- porn. It's just uh, mm-hmm. people fucking. And I'm like, wait, what? You can do this? You can make this? <laughs> this is insane. You can go to the store and buy this? This is crazy. Uh, my mom would never, never 
would buy me. Oh this yeah, album. I definitely, I, could, I, I definitely hid the fact that I listened to like Eminem and Fifty and like this yeah. album from my mom for a long time. Is I remember my mom didn't accept that I liked hip hop until Eight Mile came out because I convinced her to buy me the Eight Mile soundtrack, and then I think that's when she was like, "Okay, I guess, I guess you just listen to this now. You go ahead, don't." Parents Don't be too really influenced. Nice mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, this album was generally positively reviewed uh, and received A- minus by Entertainment Weekly, four and a half by LA Times, four by All Music, four by Encyclopedia of Popular Music, Rolling Stone gave it four, The Source 4.5 out of five, Spin 7 out of 10, XXL 5, uh, NME gave it six. You know, but what it is, is, you know, they had some issues with the the, the lyrical content, you know, um, but you can't deny the yeah. legacy, the impact. Like, I think that there are probably people who wrote negative reviews for this that if they look back on it now would probably be like, boy, I was wrong, you know? Um some people said yeah. that they that the album suffers because of gangsta cliches. Uh, some of the lyrics were filthy. Um, you know that there's too much gunfire, bombings, and helicopters over Compton, uh, and uh, you know uh, too many. Tracks it's funny that they're saying this is basically like too gangster for them. Is basically what's that saying? It's like what that what those reviews just kind of equate to is like. I'm very white and I'm offended by what this man is saying. The man from NWA is saying some vile <laughs> stuff. Uh, I do not crea- agree. <laughs> one of the creators of gangster rap is keeping it gangster. <laughs> you know, like, More or less, yeah. Uh, in other, basically <laughs> what they're saying. In other news, a lion killed a zebra and water is wet. Um, you know, and Dr. Dre <laughs> is gangsta. <laughs> but the uh, the the funny thing about this, you know, why it didn't reach number one? Mm. Do you want to take a guess? What why? band could he not beat? What musical artist could Dr. Dre in, not overthrow? In 1999, I'm gonna say it's either like Blink 182 or Red Hot Chili Peppers. Corn. <laughs> and this was right during the new metal revival like you know Man. the height of that uh so they couldn't beat corn um uh but you know i would say and, and with the album that they couldn't beat was issues um okay but uh, uh absolutely goes yeah <laughs> um great great album i'm not i'm not <laughs> i'm not making having problems uh with corn here um but no. uh this album i would say uh you know well i would say the corn album also has like a quite a corn has a quite a, an influence but dr dre mm-hmm. in general like as far as his reach and and influence and you know just presence um and this album has aged incredibly like production wise mm-hmm. listening to this on a good set of speakers is like perfect like as far as like me being an audio engineer, I don't know how they did it, especially at that time. Like they were doing it analog and like, you know, touching knobs and feeling keys and making it sound like it's, you know, mm-hmm. perfect, perfect. 
and it still sounds perfect. Like it's yeah, nuts. It, it's still one of the gold standards of like hip hop mixing for sure. Yeah. Like there, yeah, just the way he has like, cause Dr. Dre, he, he's, he's a beat guy. He, he's at his core. He is a beat guy and that's what he knows the best drums and the, like, you know, like just a nice piano sample or something. But then this album, you get so many just like sick melodies out of nowhere, like, and just the way he like builds upon his beats, like adding strings, just making shit sound massive. Like, it it really is like, like still Dre, just like especially when the like when the strings come in on still Dre, like it's bonkers or like. What's the difference when it, when it comes when you get the like in the hook like it's just the way he like and then like the way he puts melodies on top of his beats are just so good like just the album is a masterclass in beat making yeah it's like really. just the whole album to me is like a masterpiece like it's mm-hmm. it's like I would I would go so far as to say it's a 10 out of 10. Like this yeah. for me like that's like this is like one of those things where it's like not only is it sound defining, genre defining, but the legacy of it, the impact of it, the uh kind of uh, the amount of care that went into the sonics, to the production, just nuts. And it's you can listen to it. It's an actual album. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things mm-hmm. that I love too is that like you can listen to it and all through there's like a, not really a narrative, but a kind of tonal pathway where mm-hmm. all the songs work off of one another really well. Um, amazing features, Eminem at the peak of his powers, Snoop Dogg coming back with something to prove, uh, you know, uh, and just exhibit is excellent. Like there's mm-hmm. just so many excellent um, Nate dog mm. showing up, rest in peace to him. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of really yeah. good stuff on here. Uh, and a couple statements that were made about it that I just wanted to highlight, um, uh, that, uh, uh, Tom Sinclair and of entertainment weekly said it was uncharacter calling it uncharacteristic. Uh, excuse me, uncharacteristically sparse sound from Dr. Dre, but it was as as addictive as it was back when over 3 million record buyers got hooked on the chronic and Snoop Dogg's Dre produced doggy style and went on to commend Dr. Dre saying if any rapper, uh, rapper or producer deserves the title of composer, it's he. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris Massey of Pop Matters says musically 2001 is about as close to brilliant as any one gangster rap album might possibly get. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And some people noted that the most memorable emceeing on this album was coming from Dr. Dre himself, Eminem notwithstanding, and whatever one's opinion of sexual politics and gun lust of Dre's canon, his ongoing commitment to formal excellence and sonic innovation in this art form may one day earn him a place next to George Clinton, if not Stevie wonder Duke Ellington or miles Davis. Damn. High praise. And he did. And he did like, like, and he did. That's the crazy thing. Sorry. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time reading guys. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, this the, he did. He he. This is this is the one. And then he went ghost. He was supposed to put out the out detox. There were some signals like Kush with Akon and Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some Kush up in it. Yeah, song's good. Yeah, song sick. Uh, Uh, I I need need a doctor. doctor. Yep, yeah. Which is Uh, essentially just kind of like what Eminem. That was like that song is the formula for every Eminem song since more or less. Let's get a let's get a pop singer on the hook and a lady pop singer, and then you know Eminem will do some fast rapping blah 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 and that's more or less the uh the blueprint for every Eminem album for the last 10 years but at the time it was it crazy was it when was. it came out it, it was, was like and he's tight. rapping about <laughs> Dr Dre being like yo like you saved my life like I would be dead without you you made me who I am you got to come back you got to save hip hop and everyone was like yes like everybody was ready for it cuz it was like mm-hmm. 2010 it was like 10 years since he had put out an album at that point. And so mm-hmm. everyone was like, this means he's coming. And then detox never came. Some never sing, came. some, some singles and songs he had worked with, worked on with other people that were meant to be on detox, but maybe didn't have his, his verse on it or, you know, things came out leaks and stuff, but the album never came. And then eventually in 2015, in August, uh, we had, Compton, a soundtrack by Dr. Dre, which is the third studio album. Um, and um, it was released on Apple Music. And this was early Apple Music days, very mm-hmm. early Apple Music days. Uh, and uh, and it was released first on Apple Music in the iTunes store. And I remember that because I had Apple Music at the time. And so I was able to listen to it on the day that it released. Uh, and uh, it's a follow-up to his second album, 2001, after the cancellation of the long plan detox album. Now he did cancel or state that detox was never coming out, but people still hope there's still hope that one day detox will come. Um, uh, and, uh, this album, the production for it happened, uh, with detox, but the album itself was devised, uh, uh, when the production of the, uh, NWA film straight out of Compton gave Dre the idea for a soundtrack with the uh, album specific production taking place in 2013 to 2015. Um, he worked with uh, uh, various producers, including Focus, Dem Joints, Trevor Lawrence Jr., DJ Dahl, Cardiac, and uh, Theron Feimster, among many others. And f- the album features guest appearances from Anderson Pock, Marsha Ambrosius. Craig Owens, King Mez, Justice, Kendrick Lamar, Candace Pillay, John Connor, Sly Piper, Dem Joints, The Game, Exhibit, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, and more. It uh, yeah. debuted at number two at the U- on the U.S. Billboard, and uh, it received acclaim from music critics when it dropped. Um, That's wild that Craig Owens is on a Dr. Dre album. Craig Owens from Chiodos, from the emo band, from the post-hardcore emo band. That guy. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember when this album came out specifically because it was one of the few times where, like, I heard, like, an album came out and I was like, wait, what? And, like, I bought it because I didn't have Apple Music. I bought it off of iTunes. And I remember I I laid on my bed 
and listen to it and just front the back just because I wanted like I was waiting for so long for a new Dr. Dre album. Like I was raised on 2001. Like that album I love that album. It's one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time. Just albums. It's just one of my favorite albums of all time. And then for Dr. Dre to not do anything for 15 plus years. And then to drop this album as a surprise drop was insane. Was crazy. Mm -hmm. And it was, and the thing about it was, you know, it wasn't so much as west coast as like his early albums but it was like he mixed his sound it is 100 dr dre but you know he managed to mix it with how hip-hop evolved over the previous 15 years and like he used like it it, it it's his modern take on like what hip hop was, but it's distinctively Dr. Dre, which is so good because so many people, they'll be like, rappers will do an album. It's like, oh, this is my trap album. And it's like, okay. Or you could just like, you know, make something unique, which Dr. Dre did. He was like, okay, I, I hear you. I know, you know, obviously I'm not going to come out and just make a 90 sounding album because people are not going to be into that except for quote, old heads you know only old heads can like 90s hip-hop's like no 90s hip-hop's sick fuck you if you don't like 90s (laughs) hip-hop you're a loser okay it is sick it's fun it's so cool like it's just fun to listen to gangster rap like I, i i don't know what to say so he managed to combine his distinct sound with modern hip-hop tendencies and it's like you know bringing in guys like and it because it has like you know his like the regular gambit of guys that he had like Snoop Dogg's on there exhibits on there Eminem's on there ice cubes on there. So people all throughout his career, but then, you know, he also brings the game who, you know, he never really rapped with before, you know, he brings in Anderson pack who before this, I didn't know who Anderson pack was. I was like, yo, who the hell is this guy? This guy can sing and rap. What? Yeah. This is crazy. And then, you know, Kendrick Lamar, obviously this is right after to pimp a butterfly or no, Right after, yeah, I think the pimp, or right after, or before, right around the pimp butterfly era. So Kendrick is just fucking god mode at this point, and yeah. it's just like, yo, like this is sick, dude. Well, it's, it was it's so cool. It's right after the release of 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 uh, because he started recording in 2013. This this okay. album, he he said that during principal photography of Straight Outta Compton, I felt myself going to the studio and being so inspired by the movie that I started recording an album. I kept it under wraps, and now the album is finished. It's bananas. It's an inspired by album. It's inspired by Straight Outta Compton. We're going to call the album Compton the Soundtrack. I'm really proud of this. Um, and described it as being his grand finale. The claim has turned out to be false, though, as Dr. Dre has hinted at a release of his upcoming fourth album, which I I hope he does. Uh, But yes, he brought in a lot of people. He brought in Kendrick Lamar. He brought in BJ the Chicago Kid. He brought in Anderson .Paak. Um, I forgot to mention Ice Cube before. Yes, Ice Cube is on a song. John Connor, who is a relatively unknown rapper at the time. Um, The Game and him getting back together for the first time in a long time. Uh, there, I think there was a little bit of friction there, but the game tends mm-hmm. to beef with everybody he knows because he just seems like he's really self-involved and likes the, the yeah. drama. He's a bit petty, um, but yeah. I mean, the game, the game's kind of like Joe Budden, but like sick though. 
Like, yeah. The, well, the he game likes to talk rock. shit. Like that's yeah. We, that's one, the thing. We will have an episode about the game, and we will talk about it because he has the biggest mouth and says the most stuff and just blatantly outright lies all the time. But mm. like, he also can rap. Like I think that the game is as good of a rapper as like he should be in yeah. top ten lists. Like he's he, got yeah, he's a I, rapper, rapper. Like he's got. Bars. I mean. His diss tracks that he released when he was falling out with 50 Cent, which, like, a lot of people don't really talk about that beef, but the diss tracks the game was putting out are fire, dude. Like, his version of 100 Miles in Running is insane, and he's rapping for, like, 10 minutes straight on that track. It's crazy, man. People need to fucking put respect on the game because, like, even his newest albums that he's put out in, like, the last five 10 years are so good. Yeah, so good. People, stuff. people always talk about like, uh, you know, devil's advocate and the documentary, which obviously are classics, but you like the doctor's advocate. Not the oh devil's God. Advocate. Yeah, mm. Doctor's advocate. Uh, I, I like that. I, I like that. I actually just realized that, that that's like a play on words. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good for um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean like, yeah, but so we get back to Compton here. It was uh, aggregates scores 82 out of 100 on Metacritic, uh, 7.8 on any decent music. All music gave it a four. AV Club B, Daily Telegraph, four out of five. Guardian, four out of five. Independent, four out of five. Enemy gave it a seven uh, out of 10. Pitchfork gave it an 8.8. Rare time where Pitchfork is kind of right. Uh, Rolling Stone gave it a four out of five. Spin, seven out of 10. USA Today, three out of four. Uh, it was, um, uh, it debuted on number one on the UK album charts, also in Australia. Uh, and it was, uh, a, uh, number one in Belgium, number one in Canada, number one in, in, uh, Denmark, number one in France, uh, number one in New Zealand, number one in Ireland, number one in Scotland, Number one in the UK, both albums and R&B albums. Number two on the US Billboard Top 200. Number one on the US Top R&B and Hip Hop albums. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it was huge. Now, it isn't certified as big as some of his previous albums are because I feel like with Dr. Dre, a lot of people expected kind of what they imagined detox was going to be. And this Mm -hmm. album is very different. Mm -hmm. Um, the, as you said, he still pulls from a lot of stuff that came before, but there's, there's, this is a big swing. Compton is Mm -hmm. a really big swing because a lot of the songs incorporate soundscapes, incorporate, um, much more melody, have a lot of singing in them. There are multiple Mm -hmm. songs where Dr. Dre doesn't, barely exists on the song he gives like half mm-hmm. verse and then other people perform the rest of the song yeah, i think there's a couple of songs where he's strictly just producer i don't even yeah. think there's some uh, songs sh- where he's not he doesn't even say a word on it yeah one shot one kill and just mm-hmm. another game or just yeah. another day that's the game song um but there's some songs on this album that are crazy crazy mm-hmm. um water um, Sick. yeah medicine man dark deep water uh issues um the i like the one shot one kill in just another day the game in the john connor yeah. songs genocide uh uh 
there's just a lot of really cool, cool stuff oh, yeah. on this album. And but those songs are kind of more expected Dr. Dre songs. The other stuff is where it gets into like with a lot of the Anderson Pox stuff. And he's such a multi-instrumentalist. And he was he's another artist who was mentored by Dr. Dre and brought in mm-hmm. as part of the team on this uh on this album in the production of this album. And as we said, Kendrick Lamar and uh, Anderson Pack at that time were both, you know, up and coming artists. I mean, Kendrick had dropped Good Kid Mad City, which Dr. Dre had been heavily involved in. I don't know if he was mm-hmm. an executive producer or yeah, he was. Uh and he was involved in the creation of that and mm-hmm. uh and and he was mentoring uh Kendrick, but then also he was mentoring Anderson Pock and went on to produce songs for for Oxnard and and other uh uh releases from from Pock and 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 he you know he was up and coming he had released some stuff I think before then so people but he brought them under his wing and built this like crazy out of left field you know it's like a cacophony of different sounds and different genres and different ideas and um it's a big swing as i said uh mm-hmm. in as much as a uh, uh you know as much as where i think that that the 2001 was a big swing in the sense of him proving himself i think this yeah. one he didn't feel like he had to prove anything and he just decided to be inspired and that's where mm-hmm. these ones are different where i think mm-hmm. i think 2001 is him pardon my french gripping his nuts and being like yeah. what's up this is him being like look at me now, you know, uh, 16 years later and I've grown and I'm trying new things and experimenting with new sounds. But there's some songs on here that rip though, like Mm -hmm. bars. It's sick. I like Compton. I think Compton's aged really well too. It's good. Yeah. No, it's just when I was just listening to it earlier today, I was also like, yeah, I forgot how good this album was. Forgot how good. It's like, are you saying you forgot about Dre? Uh, <laughs> you walked you know into that one. You walked right did, into that I, one. <laughs> I did, in fact, forget about Dre. I did, in fact. But it's like, you know, The Chronic and 2001 are such monolithic albums. Like, those are iconic albums. Those are, you know, benchmark albums of the genre, of, you know, of hip-hop, of just, just albums. Those are just huge huge and it's like people are like not even thinking about dr dre at this point anymore people have forgotten about him people people that were into dr dre in the early 2000s they're not even really listening to like hip-hop you know by this point in time the guard has completely changed like i can't even think back to what was like i guess in 2015 like drake like it was drake and future like that's what people were listening to in 2015 which is like i mean you can kind of hear like some dre influence in what uh future does but like drake is so far from what you know dr dre is doing in 
in all regards, like almost like it's just completely different. Like, cause you know, Drake's music is very much this one. Hip hop became more like it became very spaced out, very sort of like, you know, a lot of reverb, you know, like people like, uh, Kid Cudi were fucking huge. Like Kid, you know, 2015, yeah, 2015 was you got Kid Cudi clones all over the place, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like uh, 2015 was very much a, a period of uh, of um, lots and lots of you know ASAP uh, ASAP mm-hmm. mob. Um, okay, yeah. So yeah, it's like a lot of southern southern stuff, southern influence stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is the year that Drake dropped. If you're reading this, it's too late. This is the year that YG was shot. Uh, this is the year that uh, um, uh, Action Bronson was starting to come up. Uh, uh, you know, Tyler, the creator, uh, had dropped Cherry Bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we got a lot of stuff uh, that year. Uh, Dreams Worth More Than Money. King Push, Pusha T, um, uh, Joey Badass dropped Badass. Uh, you know, Deej Loaf was really big. We had At Long Last ASAP dropping. Fetty Wap was huge. Um, yeah. Young Thug so was huge. Basically, save for YG. If you mention any of those artists, I'm not connecting a line to Dr. Dre. I'm well, not like yeah. Save for YG. I'm sure if we're playing like fucking ten degrees of separation, I'm sure we can like figure you know we can figure something out here. But like you know, more or less in the hip hop universe in 2015, West Coast people aren't thinking Dr. Dre. People aren't really thinking West Coast hip hop. Like I mean, I know we got YG, Nipsey Hustle, and stuff. There were people definitely doing it really well. You know, the game was consistently dropping sick albums. Snoop Dogg's been dropping constantly. Like, well, and you people were, are you doing were right. Actually, sorry to interrupt. That to pimp a butterfly did come up, come out mm-hmm. in 2015. Drake, if you're reading this, it's too late. Um, you've got Dirty Sprite Two by Future, Summertime 06 by Vince Staples. So there was like, there was like some, okay, yeah, some so- good stuff that was coming out that year. It wasn't like it was a, a dry year, but the focus wasn't on Dre. Yes, and so, that is the point. Yeah, yeah, that's what you said. Okay, and yeah. and so and the sound was very different from yes any of the old G funk sound and anything like that. I mean, there was parts of it that was seeping into like mm-hmm. uh, you know certain like Summertime '06 is distinctively a West Coast album. Yeah, but you know it doesn't. You know it it it's very different than what West Coast hip hop sounded like 15 years ago. Even Tyler's creator on stuff. On um uh, on his album Wolf, there's a lot of like West Coast stuff because the way he combines like pianos and synths and stuff, it's very West Coast. But like, you know, it was all kind of you know, you know, people people have taken the sound and have evolved it further. So you know, Dr. Dre by this point he would have had to then you know, it's like he's like evolving a sound that is just an evolution of his own sound you know what i mean it's like he has to grow off of shit that he's already grandfathered like he sunned these dudes like so but now he has to like do it better than them essentially and then and then of course you also have all of the probably influence that he picked up while Mm -hmm. working on detox for 11 years Mm -hmm. or however long he was working on it so it's like you know this is uh, 
Dr. Dre, what else can you say? You know, like, yeah. and, and he's still pushing, still putting out another album. Apparently got the rights to the chronic back working on an album with Snoop Dogg, uh, uh, you know, d- just still pumping it out. And yeah, I mean, the, the Super Bowl murdered to be music by murdered <laughs> music to be murdered by, which is one of the few good Eminem albums in the last decade yeah, or I so. I actually really liked both that and Side yeah. B. There were songs I yeah. didn't like at all, but there are some songs mm-hmm. on it where I was like, oh, this is It's really far good. more listenable than fucking, uh, what's the god-awful Eminem? Revive? Is that the one with like, the American flag on? Yeah. Yeah, that album's terrible. And yeah. some of the Eminem shit that came out in the mid-2010s is just, ugh. Kamikaze is good. Kamikaze is nice. I mean, yeah, Kamikaze was okay because that was him specifically trying to go back to something. But him, like, just him and Dr. Dre working together is always going to be a good time. That's the thing. When Dr. Dre and Eminem get together, it's always a good time. Yeah, so. I think I think what the I think that that what was missing from a lot of the stuff that he was doing when he wasn't working with Dre as much, because mm-hmm. Dr. Dre was the executive producer on Music to Be Murdered by, as we mentioned. Yeah. That it's like there's a little bit of that fun Eminem that comes back that like tongue in cheek Eminem. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the, some of the features are really good. And just in general, there's like some interesting beat choices and just in, in general, much, a much better project. A lot of people didn't like that project, but I thought, I mean, I was like, this is pretty good, man. Like for Eminem, like I was like, this is pretty good. Yeah. Cause Eminem's last three albums before that was basically just like army recruitment music. That's all it was. It was just him being like, you want to join the U.S. Marines? Well, here you I, go. Listen, nearly, listen to Till I Collapse 50 I, times I in a row. I nearly screamed when you just said that. Like, I, that was the funniest <laughs> thing you said today. <laughs> yeah. It um, is. I know. But holy shit. <laughs> you went for the kill shot with that one. Um, that's a reference to the MGK song. Did you guys Which, catch that? I mean, Eminem killed MGK so bad that MGK had to go make pop punk music. That guy's a fucking dweeb. You know what? Even a, though, you know even though that? concert for aliens is kind of good. Con- fucking, well, there's a couple songs on that album. Or what? What? Sorry, what's the album called? That's uh, the song. The last one he dropped was like mainstream sellout, which was awful. But the Pro- one that like, has concert awful. for it's comfort, oh com- tickets to my downfall. That yeah. album's. Specifically that song is like, I'm like, wow, this is just like what I would like Blink-182 to make now. Yeah. And that's, much. that's pretty much how I feel about it. But you know, concert for aliens, banger song. Love that song. Uh, I hate that it's MGK, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Shout out him. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, what's sad about that too, is that like, I liked a general admission the album that MGK put out, like his second mm. album that has uh, Till I Die and a couple other really good songs on it. I was like, oh, I like this. It's like a, yeah. like a wiry, you know, sauce, saucy white boy from Cleveland going hard. I was like, yeah. yeah, the music video has him riding on the back of an ATV doing wheelies between buses and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's sick. And then all of a sudden it's like, here's my song with Camila Cabello. And then... Here's my uh, uh, here's my song with Youngblood, and oh, now I'm making pop punk, and it's like, man, mm. I wish I wish could have been different, yeah. Kelly. Yeah, 
Could have been, uh, yeah. could have been different, Mister Kelly, Mister Machine. I mean, Gun. even though I don't like Eminem's more recent output, you don't come for the king, though. That that that's our white king. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah it was it was but i mean that's what hip hop people want yeah. to start problems and start fights and like that's how like people get like get lit i guess people talk yeah. about them on social media and all that stuff um I mean, but there's certain people I, you you just don't go at it's like look i respect i respect in fact when remember when drake and and pusha t were beefing and and yeah. And Drake put out the Duppy freestyle. And I was like, this is pretty good. I was like, yeah. And then Pusha T came back and was like, your producer has multiple sclerosis. You're hiding a child. You're, you know, like, it's yeah. like maybe you should go after the guy who, who's like sold drugs for, for, for used to perform at cartel houses and bulletproof yeah. vests. Like maybe you should <laughs> leave that guy alone. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't, don't fuck with Push. No, and the thing is that like Drake has been really good in a lot of beefs. Like he holds his own. Oh. He's he's been like that whole Meek Mill. I thing. mean, yeah, yeah. When we talked, we talked about the, the Drake episode. But yeah, the, no one ever expected Drake to slaughter Meek Mill the way he did. That was not most people. Are like, oh, this is an easy win for Meek Mill. Easy win. And then we was like, wait, what? You're telling me this corny boy from Toronto is taking down Philly's king right now? Are yeah. you serious? Well, and then the thing this... that's cra- the thing that's crazy about that too is that like back to back was such a good diss record that mm-hmm. uh, that like Meek Mill couldn't like he <laughs> the thing that he re- responded with was like one of the worst tracks I've ever heard. Yeah, I was like, yeah. The, was that the like the one with the Undertaker? Yeah, like, and I was like, Bell? yeah, I was like, why would you use I just wish you're besmirching the undertaker here. Like, uh, you know, yeah. like just <laughs> God damn. Well, yeah. you know, but then but now they're friends again, going bad. Mm-hmm. Great song back home, smoking legal. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that's, uh, I guess that's pretty much, we don't really have much else to say about, about Dr. Dre. I mean, we could, no. but we're coming up on um, two hours and I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to beat a dead horse. He's yeah. amazing. I just, He's a tight. Yeah. I just want to quickly shout out one song that I bet most people don't know about. It's a song on the chronic, the original chronic and Dr. Dre's not even on the song. Uh, the song lyrical gang bang with the lady of rage corrupt and RBX is one of my favorite rap songs ever. And it's one of the few female rappers where I was immediately into it like the lady of rage all of her verses on the chronic go so hard and that was like my first like introduction to like a woman like because i guess like i don't know i guess the like dr dre produced eve in in the 90s you know you had little kim and stuff but the lady of rage that has been my benchmark for female rappers and that that's kind of fucked up and kind of sexist to have like a different benchmark but like you know when you're being championed when the you know female rappers are championed by Nicki Minaj and Megan the Stallion no 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 go listen to some young ma go listen to the lady of rage there are some fire ass female rappers out old, there that old, aren't making corny pop music yo an old Remy Ma 
Remy Ma, you know, yes, Remy Ma. exactly. If you want to go, if you, it's hard. It goes crazy. Well, I mean, this is a whole other thing, and this we're talking about personal uh, taste. I just wanted to yes, bring absolutely. something up because you mentioned about the big horns, and I can't believe when you mentioned this, I didn't think about it. What's the difference from 2001? Oh, boom, absolutely. Boom, boom, boom. Like, that's like... Yeah, absolutely. That's... What's the difference between me and you? Me and you. Yeah. Oh, what's what's just between me and you? About five bank accounts, three ounces, and two vehicles. That's one of my favorite <laughs> lines ever. Uh, anyway, so if you haven't had a chance to listen to Dr. Dre or you haven't listened to the uh, uh, 2001 or the Chronic in a long time, this is your uh, this is your signal from your your good pals at Bird Protocol. Go back, listen to that, listen to both of them. Give content another chance because I know when it came out, it was kind of like mixed reviews from a lot of like younger people where they were like, oh, we expected kind of, and some older people too were expecting one thing and it was a bit different, but there's a lot of cool stuff on that album and it's Mm -hmm. really worth your time. But obviously in my heart, my favorite is 2001 and Mm -hmm. uh, I will ride for that album forever. I think sound design wise and engineering wise, it's perfect. I think it's probably a 10 out of 10, one of the few 10 out of 10 albums I will give or ratings I will give an album. That might be a little bit biased or uh, nostalgia driven, but I still, it's a benchmark album for me. You know, I listen to it and I'm like, I can't believe in 1999, they had it sounding this good. Like Mm -hmm. it is nuts. And that speaks to the the work ethic and perfectionism of Dr. Dre, excuse me. And it just, it bangs still to this day. Yeah. To this day, it bangs. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, and um, do we have anything else about about the good doctor that we want to we chat have, about? I, I do have one last point. The artwork for the chronic. I thought Zigzags, the, the rolling paper company, ripped off the chronic. Because the chronic was so <laughs> important to my life. When I was finally able to like buy rolling papers or knew how to buy rolling papers i was like oh look these ones look like the dr dre cover me being an idiot not realize dr dre made the zigzag cover and that is just one of my favorite designs ever just dr dre as the zigzag on the chronic like i want to get that shirt now like that is an iconic piece of merch and i i need to get that i need to get that i have a shirt that has the doggy style album cover on it i need to get one that has the chronic album cover on it because it is just truly iconic as well um so yeah if anyone know out there knows where to grab a chronic shirt hit me up i want one uh i'm sure that they probably sell them out yeah, some... i could probably just go to his merch site i'm sure he has one or somewhere. or like they probably sell them at like zoomies oh yeah he yeah, like if you go to like any like head shop, like Rock Universe or something, they'll most definitely have it. But I even places I haven't like, really thought about it until just now. <laughs> well, because I saw a Dr. Dre T-shirt at Hot Topic in the states. Oh yeah. So like they're around, you can find oh, yeah. them, but you could probably just go directly to the uh, to the source to the source um, to the yeah, dealer, <laughs> Dr. Dre. Uh, hugely important. We didn't even cover the first half of his career with NWA, yeah. with World Class Wrecking Crew. We barely scratched the surface on a lot of this stuff. Uh, we wanted to keep it into one episode instead of doing a series. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, uh, we we tried to cover as much as we can. If you feel like there's anything we we missed or or you want to mm-hmm. add to the conversation, 
please uh, uh, shoot us an email, birdprotocol at gmail.com. Um, or if you have suggestions or, or, you know, anything, you can hit us up there or you can talk to us on Instagram. I'm at P-A-L-M-R-E-A-D-R. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, you can just find me on Instagram for right now. That's just Otis Morris, dude. Um, yeah, check there. I got some new stuff uh, dropping soon, hopefully in a month or two. Uh, I'll be having the cavernous B-sides come out. Those are sounding real nice right now. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, fuck. Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, I, I have a comedy show to announce for the first time in fucking forever. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this, the day this drops on Tuesday, March 7th, come out the Fever Dream Comedy. That's in at the Crazy Canuck downtown Kitchener. Uh, that's hosted by my good friends Lindsay and Renee. And you know, I'm gonna be there. I'm sure they probably got a sick lineup planned. I don't know who else is on it, but uh, hey, if you want to come check out some KW comedy, come on out. Check it. Tickets are available now, so grab that shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, I'll be okay. I'm a little rusty. I've only done very few mics recently, so. Uh, Hopefully it goes okay. And um, yeah, uh, I feel like this West Coast hip hop thing should be a recurring thing that we come back to every so often. Like I would love to do an NWA episode, Kendrick episode. Yeah, of like, course. There's so many ways that we can come. The game would love to do a you game episode. Holy we'll, shit. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely revisit the West Coast. I also want to talk about some people from the South. Obviously, I want to do an episode on Outcast. I want to do an episode mm-hmm. on uh, on. Uh, also, I'd love to do an episode on some other producer rappers like Pharrell, and you mm-hmm. know. So we may be hitting some more musicians this year. Speaking of music, I just wanted to let everyone know you may have noticed that the songs from the upcoming EP are now down, are removed. Uh, uh, that is because it's no longer an EP; it's an album. And uh, I got some information about that coming soon, including the album artwork reveal, the title reveal, and then the first actual uh, single release cross-platform. So if you like those songs that were out, you got a chance to listen to them. Just know I'm tuning them up. I'm polishing them. And I will be releasing another album before the summer of this year. This one's a lot more fun, a lot more upbeat, a lot more, uh, a lot more, you know, uh, um, kind of like R and B hip hop inspired production. And, uh, I'm just having a lot of, a lot of fun with it. It's a very summery project and, uh, I just have too many songs that I enjoy. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to put out another album. So 2023, another anxiety weekend album, more information coming soon. Get your tickets to fever dream, the, uh, cavernous B sides, which yes, I finally got around to working on them. We're we're putting uh, Otis is putting them out soon, so we got some mm-hmm. stuff coming. Thank you for listening, and uh, um, and uh, we'll see you next week. I don't know what we're doing because we're recording this one really early, but go listen to some Dr. Dre, and roll yeah. one up. Come on, absolutely. All right, I yeah. guess that's it. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> uh, facts um and uh oh check out the um episode we dropped last week uh from uh, our first time podcasting together on otis's old podcast uh mm-hmm. you know we listened to it and uh 
I forgot how funny we are sometimes. So I think mm-hmm. we're going to try and bring a little bit more levity to Bird Protocol. Uh, if you haven't noticed today, there were a few more jokes cracked. And I think that'll be a trend going forward because um, you know what? Life's too short to be serious all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, our lazy birds might be a little bit different going forward. And, uh, and our whole just general attitude, maybe, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go listen to that, though. It's a great trip through memory lane back to 2019. Other than that, we'll see you next week. Always remember. I'm having a stroke today. Always remember (laughs) to initiate the protocol. I don't know. My tongue's not working or something. Anyway, peace out, guys. Have a great. I'm the one with the fucked up mouth, and you can't talk. Anyways, all in it. Initiate the protocol. Initiate the protocol. Peace out. (laughs) Shh.